This season of Smashing the Ceiling is brought to you by the Skylark Collective. Skylark is a new London-based network for women in podcasting, and this year we'll be hosting the inaugural International Women's Podcast Awards at the Albright in London. The collective exists to raise the voices of women in podcasting, both behind the mic and behind the scenes, and to showcase the work of women out there producing incredible audio moments through the medium of podcasting. So if you've got your own podcast or you're thinking of starting one, Head to our website at skylarkcollective.co.uk for more information or follow us on socials at the Skylark Collective. Now, on with the show. While I was um, moving through this part of my life in my 20s, I was always really worried about the fact that I couldn't find a job and just stick with it for years because I think that I think nowadays there's a lot more open-mindedness about switching careers and not having to stay in one career forever but back then I really felt myself under the weight of that expectation I thought there was something wrong with me hi there everyone and welcome to smashing the ceiling with me Naomi Mella On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers, those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who've just had a really interesting life. If you're looking for inspiration for your career, if you feel a little stuck or bored with what you're doing right now, or if you're in search of the road less travelled job-wise, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right and how their mentors, mistakes and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. I've said it before and I'll no doubt say it again, but I love meeting women who've done something unexpected, who've bucked the career trend and taken a path that others might not expect. That's what Smashing the Ceiling is all about and is the thread that links all the women that I interview on this show. Today's guest, Caroline Knight, falls very much into that category and it was a joy to meet her. After doing a biochemistry degree and having multiple different careers, including being a naked yoga instructor and working in the wine industry, she went to Peru last year, fell in love and unexpectedly stayed to set up a business selling cacao direct from the Peruvian jungle into the UK. Caroline is a fascinating woman. We talked in this chat about being in tune with your body and why so many people aren't why it's okay to have more than one job, even when the world tells you that it isn't, and why the power of curiosity in your career can be super beneficial. As a trigger warning, this podcast does contain a brief reference to eating disorders. And just so you're aware, Caroline was chatting to me from just outside the jungle. So there's there's an occasional bit of background noise and the odd animal or bird audible, but consider it atmospheric. (laughs) yeah god I can't wait to to dig into your story and just to talk about your life in general which sounds I mean fantastic and I'm really looking forward to kind of exploring your career um do you want to tell me a little bit about your early life to begin with and and what your kind of career hopes and aspirations were when you were little what were you like as a child oh that's a good question I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before um when I was about 10 or so I, I had I wanted to be in the army which is actually quite funny considering just how rebellious and uh how much I just like living my own life I hate being told what to do um yeah I really need to do things my way so it's quite funny that I wanted to be in the army because the army would have stripped me of all kind of autonomy (laughs) um and 
And then, yeah, I, I don't think I had any specific desires. And then I, as I moved through school and I was starting to think more about careers, I, I thought about doing medicine and then did work experience in a, in a hospital and realized uh, being a doctor, um, a Western medicine doctor definitely wasn't my calling. So then I went to university and studied biochemistry. And then since leaving university, it's just been one kind of twisting, winding journey through lots of different careers. Yeah, I like to mix it up. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I love that, actually. And I kind of, you know, we love to feature women on this podcast who've, I describe it as trodden the path less traveled. And I think there's definitely a place for um, for winding careers around, uh, for sure. So so um, after doing biochemistry, what did you uh, leap into first after that? And how did your kind of working life get started, Caroline? Sure. So actually, after doing um, BSc, the undergrad in biochemistry, I did a master's in um, business management. And then after that, I um, I went into waitressing. And um, so waitressing is something and working in the hospitality industry is something I've sort of gone back to throughout the years when I've needed money. But then as time went on, I realized I really do like working as a waitress. It's very um, I know a lot of people have used waitressing as a sort of stopgap and because it's a, a service that's seen as maybe like a more lowly career but actually you need to be quite skilled to be a good waitress um, and I love food so it was really good to uh, work around food but um, you know as time went on there's a lot of um, expectation to drink alcohol in the restaurant industry and when I stopped drinking alcohol I just felt like it didn't feel right to continue working in that industry. So for a while, while I was doing the waitressing, waitressing, I was sort of following the path that most of my classmates from uni were were doing, which is applying for corporate jobs. So I, I just sort of followed along with the crowds and didn't get anywhere, which is, I think, a blessing because I wouldn't have been happy working in a big corporation. So at uni, I was doing a lot of... Um, writing I was arts editor for the uni paper and I would do a lot of theatre reviewing so I became very interested in that world and I worked um, with a casting director for a bit Um, and then totally randomly I got interested in the shipping industry so I worked with a ship broker for a little while Um, and then uh, in 2014 I moved to South Africa to Cape Town where I was actually born Um, and I did freelance writing I did I worked in the wine industry I worked um, at a digital marketing agency so yeah as you can see lots of twisting and turning and um, yeah it's been and it's been it's been great but while I was um, moving through this part of my life in my 20s I was always really um, worried about the fact that I couldn't find a job and just stick with it for years because I think that I think nowadays there's a lot more open-mindedness about switching careers and not having to stay in one career forever but back then I really was um I really felt myself under the weight of that expectation I thought there was something wrong with me that I I couldn't stick to one job for I think the longest I've had a job is um 15 months (laughs) so from a kind of HR CV point of view uh, someone once told me that I'm flaky Um, so I really thought there was something wrong with me and now I just see it's that I'm unique and I need um, a unique lifestyle and and form 
and a, and a career to match that rather than me trying to mold myself to you know career expectations created by other people Mm. I definitely see that and I think that message that we're brought up with and particularly you, know, you leave school and, and everybody says you have to stay in your first job for a year it looks bad on your CV if you've got gaps it looks bad if you've done, had too many jobs you know people ask questions about your commitment and all the rest of it so it's kind of refreshing to hear that you've accepted that you know that's not for you and do you think that's just I was going to say, like, do you get bored? But I'm not sure that's quite the right question, Caroline. Do you think that you're, you're, interest, you're just so interested in lots of different things that you're constantly wanting to pursue something different and new? Or how do you view your kind of desire to, to change things, I guess? Um, so, so, yes, I'm always interested in um, learning new things. And I have this pattern. And again, you know, in the past, I would have seen it as something wrong. But it's just that I, I get interested in something and then I put so much energy into it get really 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 interested and then once I feel as if I've sort of got what I wanted from that subject I'll find something new and um I guess it's given me like a really broad perspective and I just yeah I just enjoy that because I guess the re one of the main reasons why we kind of want careers is so that we can find some sort of financial stability so I'm still, it took me maybe 10 years to realize like, oh, I can find a way where uh, my lifestyle needs are satisfied and also my interests and my desire to do lots of different things while at the same time still being able to support myself. And yeah, it's been a lot of trial and error. Um, but yeah, I'm getting closer to, to finding that sweet spot. There was a couple of things I was just going to unpack in, in what you said previously. Um, one of them, you referred briefly there to um, giving up alcohol. What was it that prompted that decision, Caroline? And how has that kind of manifested in your life since then? Sure. So um, as I mentioned, I was working in the wine industry and I've done several WSET courses. So WSET, Wine and Spirits Education Trust, it's like a, a really... Um, renowned qualification within the industry um so I was super into wine um not not just like the the, the kind of sensual enjoyment of it but um interest in how it's made and the tasting and everything uh, so I was working in the wine industry and at the time I did this very life-changing course um so eight-week course that was called sexual awakening for women and um it's yeah, it introduced me to a whole range of sort of meditation and tantric practices that really just sort of put me back in my body. So I became more aware of my body. And as that was happening, I became more aware of how alcohol was affecting my body. And so I was able to drink um, less and less wine and my hangovers were getting worse. And eventually I realized my body really is asking me not to drink alcohol anymore. Um, and so I honored that. Um, and I realized actually I enjoyed not drinking and the feeling of being sober and feeling awake and present was um, more enjoyable for me. Um, so that was that was almost four years ago now. And I have to say, I do miss the taste of wine. I really, really do. And, you know, once in a blue moon, I might um, drink a little bit. And then the next day, I remember why I don't drink. <laughs> but the taste I, I so miss. <laughs> yeah. So you took a, 
a course in sexual awakening of women, which has kind of translated into a lot of your subsequent work as well, Caroline. Um, I, I love your Instagram and, and your kind of supportive women in loving their bodies and, and, you know, really embracing their sexual side. Can you just talk to us a little bit about how you've developed from taking that course in the first place into making that a part of your work? Absolutely. So what actually encouraged me to do the course was I was in a relationship and I no longer had desire for this person. And I did the typical, I think a lot of women do this. They, we, we blame ourselves for a lot of things. Um, and so I sort of said, Oh, I must be broken if I don't have desire for my partner. And so that prompted me to find this course to kind of reconnect with my sexuality, hoping that I would suddenly get desire again for my partner. But actually, it turned out it's just because I didn't want to be with him. Um, But I'm so glad it led me to that course. So, yeah. So like I said, it introduced me to tantric practices, um, which basically uh, so tantra connects us to our sexual energy and our sexuality. Um, and it made me realize that that energy that every human being has within them is actually very sacred. And it, what, it, it's what, you know, makes us alive. It's what creates and helps us create in the world, even though I think many of us have been brought up in cultures that, you know, see sexuality as something sinful and dirty. So that was also a game changer for me because I was brought up in a Catholic family. And uh, yes, so I, I wasn't brought up sex positive. Um, environment or one that acknowledged um yeah the sacredness of sexuality um so yeah so that kind of yeah like I said big game changer for me and that sort of led me on to subsequent practices and to um more sex positive communities and from there I've just sort of like I said um it really brought me back into my body and that's when I realized that there's so much power to be had in being in our bodies um for being present um in our life and that helps us to live fuller better lives more conscious lives and also just um taking more pleasure from life um and just feeling great (laughs) and you've combined that with being a yoga instructor and a massage therapist can you just talk to me about the the kind of holistic way that you bring all those things together um you've had a company called embody work therapies for a little while um which i'm interested when you said you've done nothing for more than 15 months because it strikes me that this would be quite a common theme running through your work that actually you have a real passion for for empowering women through the physical the spiritual the sexual you know you've you've really kind of embraced that Caroline and um, do you want to tell me a little bit about all of that together of course well yes you you make a good point that this has been a common thread through my life um starting in 2011 when I went to India and did my yoga teacher training um so that kind of dropped me down a bit deeper um or further along this path um so yeah and then doing um my massage training which was in 2019 that again was another big step um along this path and by training in massage therapy it also helped me drop deeper into my body because you really need to have felt awareness when you are working with clients to tap into their needs um like their body's needs while you're massaging them and that's what that's what makes an amazing massage is if the therapist is really present with the client and can tap into the client's needs rather than just sort of working through moves and strokes um and then so yes um qualified in the yoga teacher training 2011 um 
but then really started I, I kind of found my niche and again 2019 I think it was or 2018 um, where I discovered naked yoga <clears throat> so there's a, a woman on Instagram called the new blogger and she teaches naked yoga and I, I found this account and I thought wow that sounds amazing um I'd love to do naked yoga but at the time I was living in Cape Town and there isn't really as wide a variety of things within sex positivity and naturism in Cape Town as there is in London so I thought okay well that's something I'll pursue when I'm back in London um so I started going to a class uh, run by a woman called Doria and the thing about the naturism scene um at least in the UK it's it's mainly men um so I was one of the few women so her and I connected and then I told her oh I'm a yoga teacher if you ever need um, someone to cover your classes I'm more than happy to do it so that's how I got into teaching the yoga and realized wow this is this is my calling this is amazing and um, just um, from doing uh, more naturism activities myself I just realized how empowered it made me feel and that was another piece in the puzzle of realizing how much shame around our bodies as well as shame around sexuality is such a it keeps us very um, small and limited because, you know, our bodies and our sexuality are so integral to us being human and being alive. And yet there's such shame around it. And I just see that as like we are, uh, while the shame is still there, we're not tapping into such great potential of um, how amazing we can feel and how powerful we can be in our lives. And prior to going to that naked yoga class for the first time, had you been a part of the naturist community in Britain? I think I uh, went to a few naked swims. So every Sunday in London, there's a naked swim. So people just go and swim in a pool, kind of do lengths. And again, I, I walked in there and there were about 60 men and I was the only woman. I was kind of um, expecting that. But within that community, there's a lot of respect and people, everyone there just enjoys being naked. There's not, um, you know, like I said, I felt safe. Um, and you know people aren't really there just to kind of perv so to speak on other people and you know I, I felt safer in that environment than I do walking down the street um doing shopping in Peru yeah it's amazing and actually um you sort of think gosh are these things going on in London like you know how do you find a naked swim but you know I, I will put some links to uh, some naturist communities and I'm sure if Caroline has got any good um, advice on where people can look for you know details about that kind of thing I think it's something that we are ashamed about we are ashamed about our bodies not just in this country but in a lot of the western world and I think people kind of snigger with embarrassment when you talk about naturism and nudist beaches and things like that but actually there's a freedom that comes with embracing your body and, and being confident and proud enough to, to be a part of a community like that, Caroline. Do you feel that it gave you um, an element, an added element to your, your personality and your life that you hadn't had before once you started practicing naturism? Yeah, it was very freeing for me. Um, as someone, like I said, who's grown up in a household where sex was hardly ever spoken about, and I felt like I was really doing something for me because up until my early 20s, I really was following expectations and guidance of my parents because I didn't, I hadn't really woken up to hang on. I am the creator of my life and I can follow what I would like to do. Um, and, you know, I've had loads of people ask me, why, uh, why do you like being naked? And it, it's just how I feel. It's very freeing. Um, and uh, 
I think I wrote this in a post a while ago. When you are in a room of other people who are also naked, it's there's a connection formed. And again, it's not based on sexuality. And, you know, our clothes can often be this armor around us. And it's our clothes also create a kind of identity. Um, so stripped of that, it's like we're connecting as who we really are. Everyone's kind of more vulnerable naked. So it's, I think that creates the connection, the compassion as well. Um, it's really difficult. I realize, hang on, it's really hard for me to have bad thoughts about other people when we're all naked, because again, we're stripped of that armor and those like created identities that clothing can give us. Yeah, we are ashamed of our bodies and it's, it just breaks my heart because it's like our bodies are the only thing we really have that is totally ours. You know, all the other things we have in our life can be taken from us. Even our bodies can be, you know, when our lives end. And to not fully be in our bodies and love them, it's like having a Porsche and you don't know how to drive and it just sits in your driveway. And you can look at it and think, oh, that's pretty. But the real joy comes from being able to drive that Porsche. You know, so many people could live their whole lives just knowing that they have a body because they look down and see it, but they're not really feeling it and feeling what a gift it is to be in a body, regardless of how your body looks like. And you've got quite a fair following on on Instagram. And there's, you know, there's a lot of um, body positivity influencers, for want of a better word. Um, You know, there's a movement around sex positivity and body positivity at the moment. Do you think we are going forwards with this as a topic, Caroline? Or do you think that amongst other things social media is is actually tipping us in the opposite direction I'm kind of interested to hear your views on that Mm, this is something I've thought a lot about actually um and I think there's a bit of a paradox going on so if I think about how things were when I was a young girl so like in the 90s and um you know there wasn't there weren't really any um body positive and sex positive people around in the mainstream media and then it was early 2000s when heat magazine and all those kind of magazines came out and their whole premise was you know basically criticizing celebrities oh she is too thin look how much weight she's lost oh now look how much weight she's gained look at her cellulite and that that was the media that i i me and my peers were consuming as really impressionable teenagers um and now there's so many more body positive and inclus and inclusivity um advocates but at the same time so we have access to that thanks to social media but at the same time there's a whole section of social media that is focusing even more on um the external appearance of bodies and you know thanks to instagram we have metrics that we can see of look how many um likes this photo has got so that we make our own kind of deductions about that like oh this photo so many likes this woman or this man looks like this and you know so it kind of is a double-edged sword it gives us access to more body positivity but then it also comes with lots of other conflicting messages um and then this leads me on to saying um about how important it is that we are in our bodies because that is our source of wisdom because when we're relying on our minds and external media and information it's very confusing to know what is true but the only thing that's true is the stuff that's true for us and we access that when we are yeah fully embodied and for people who um, might be 
a little unsure about what that means and how to get there. When you talk about being in our bodies, what does how does that manifest and how would you recommend for people to get started with that if they've never really come across that concept before, Caroline? Absolutely. And I really appreciate that for me. This is very obvious because of the journey I've been on in my body over. Um, well, I guess it started when I was 16 and I, were, I had an eating disorder. I was very underweight, addicted to exercise. And that sort of since then, it's been this long journey back to my body. So, yes, for people who uh, for whom this is a totally new concept. So being embodied and being in the body means that you're constantly aware of the sensations in your body. Um, so quite often, um, you know, you might go a whole day without being aware of what's happening in your body because you're so focused um, on your thoughts. Um, and so if you're not in your body and if you're not feeling the sensations in your body all the time, it means that you don't have access to the signals your body's giving you. So often we notice our body, say, if we're hungry because we can feel that sensation or if we need to go to the loo or if we're too hot. So when, you know, we need something urgent, but being fully in our bodies means like we have got access to so much more um, subtle information, like what is right for us on a more sort of emotional level. Mm, yeah, I think that's very true. I mean, because I'm very, I think I would say that I'm very aware of my my body. And I think some of that comes from practicing yoga, actually, but also some of it comes from like, I've had quite a few injuries over the years and I think a lot of it comes from rehabilitating injuries as well and I think when you get to learn to listen to your body it's an awareness I think and it really brought it home to me last year I was I, I love to ski and I love the mountains and I was I was having a lesson with the brother of a friend of mine actually and I said to him I can't do this because my body does that. And I said this, there was a few different times when I was able to say to him, the problem I was having with the technique he was trying to teach me very specifically associated with one part of my body. And he said, I've never met anyone that's so self-aware as you about your body and so able to articulate and describe why one thing connects to another and it really struck me at the time and I didn't really take the compliment at the time because I was a bit embarrassed. (laughs) But actually, I think you're so right. And it's hard to elucidate when you're at the beginning of that journey with your body, I think. And I, I'm so with you, Caroline, and I, I love it. And I do think yoga has really helped me kind of get outside of my head and, and into my body, which sounds a bit cliched. But, um, you know, for somebody who thinks a lot about things and has got quite a busy mind, I find it really helpful to, to get out of my mind and, and, and into my body. This just highlights the kind of so-called problem that it's normal for humans not to be aware of their bodies. So when someone is aware of their bodies, it's like, wow, you're so aware of your body. But I see that as this is is what we should all be, is aware of our bodies and sensitive to all the minute things. And, you know, I've had a lot, lot of people in my life as well say, oh my gosh, you're just so like sensitive. And it's like, yeah, I really am sensitive. But sensitivity is seen as like a weakness almost. You know, we're kind of guided as children to focus more on the mind, to prioritize the mind and thinking. That's when we lose um, touch with our bodies. And also, um, as we acquire trauma, um, that is another thing that makes us want to leave the body. It's like traumatic experience happened to us, that's stored in the body. And it's like, okay, I don't want to feel that. So I'm going to leave the body. Um, So part of coming back to the body means that we will also unearth 
uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, it's fascinating. I love this conversation. And I think for for some people, this might be all a bit new and a bit kind of out there. But I find the discussion about the kind of mind-body complex really fascinating, Caroline. It's brilliant to dig into it with you because I find it really, really interesting. Amazing. I guess the last year to 18 months of your life has been pretty um, out there in a different way, Caroline. And um, I guess I was going to talk to you about your, your latest ventures and what you're up to at the moment, as well as the sort of next stage of, of your career. So you went to Peru um, to teach yoga um, just before the first lockdown last year. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came up and what you were expecting when you went to Peru to begin with? Sure. So um, a dear friend of mine um, uh, was organizing a retreat and I said, okay, yeah, why not? Why not? Um, So my intention was to go do the retreat for two weeks and then come back to London and carry on as if, you know, as normal. And then, you know, COVID happened. So the Peruvian lockdown started while we on the retreat. So the retreat was cancelled. We went back to um, the nearest town, which is Puerto Maldonado, where I am now. Um, and because Peru's borders were closed, there was a lot of anxiety in the group because most people wanted to go home. And I was like, you know what? The, the world is in a, a state of crisis. I'm, I'm just going to sort of, I just felt a calling to stay in Peru. Um, also, there's another layer to the story, which was I met uh, Romulo. That's um, my boyfriend's. And he was working at the retreat center. So there was also a bit of intrigue around that. But, you know, at the time, I had absolutely no idea that I would have been here for so long. I thought, oh, maybe I'll be here for an extra month or so, um, a month or two, and then I'll go back to England. And then it just carried on. (laughs) And then while I was um, doing quarantine in um, a hotel in Puerto, that's when I started this connection with Cacao. um, Because the friend who started the retreat, she was also with me and she loved Cacao and that's how I got into it. I met up with Romulo again, and it turns out he, his family owns a cacao farm. So that, that was a, like a beautiful synchronicity. Um, and I suggested to him, why don't we, why don't we make cacao and we can sell it um, in England or anywhere, anywhere else where people want it. So yeah. It's amazing. Very unexpected <laughs> life change. I love that you just you're just a woman after my own heart of you know take a leap take a gut instinct make a decision do something unexpected because it feels right and I I really love that I think it's something to definitely be embraced um so talk to us about cacao Caroline um I know obviously lots of people will associate cacao with chocolate. We talk about the cacao content of of different chocolates over here. For those of us who are not particularly familiar with this as a business, what is the cacao plant itself? And can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and, and what you're selling and how it's all going? I think a lot of the world have eaten chocolate, but without knowing what it's made from. And, you know, I, I hardly knew anything about this before I, fi- I I saw in the flesh cacao trees. So the cacao fruit grows on the cacao trees. The cacao fruit, um, it's a hard pod and it, you crack it open and inside is a sort of a soft, white, fragrant fruit um, that covers these cacao beans. Um, so yeah, the, the fresh cacao beans are purple and they don't taste that good. But once you've fermented them, um, for about a week and then dried the beans and then you toast and peel them and grind what's inside the beans into a paste. 
And it's a very, it's a dark brown paste. It's very bitter. And that is cacao. Um, and then from there, um, if you're making a good quality chocolate, you'll take cacao paste and mix it with sugar, milk, um, sometimes an added oil or fat. And that makes a chocolate bar. In very cheap chocolate, that, that cacao paste is highly processed and in many ways. And so you're getting uh, more inferior products. But also what I think a lot of people don't know about cacao, it's, it's actually um, a sacred medicine. So um, going back to the Mayans and the Aztecs, cacao was sacred to them. Um, and they used cacao beans in as currency. Um, and also the uh, the drink itself was referred to as food of the gods. And the active chemical in cacao, theobromine, theobroma in Greek means food of the gods. And it's a very heart-opening medicine. So um, the, the benefits of consuming cacao, it is a superfood. It's packed full of amazing goodies for the body. But it affects in the short, medium and long term. I'm all about you know, spreading awareness of the healing power of cacao rather than selling cacao in the context of, you know, delicious sweets. Um, so I, um, as well as the work I do as a body love coach at the moment, I also run cacao ceremonies to create a space where people can come and um, experience um, the medicine of cacao. So what sort of medicinal properties are we talking about, Caroline? What kind of things would you be using cacao for or recommending it to people for? So it's very high in magnesium. It's also got flavanols, which are very um, good as well. Um, high in iron, fiber. Um, I've read somewhere it's also got protein in it. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, as a food substance, it's really great. Um, and then in terms of its more sort of esoteric um, properties. So yeah, opening the heart. So that means you feel more love and connection for yourself. And then if you're drinking with other people, you just feel a greater sense of connection. It helps you ground into the body, makes you feel more present. Um, amazing for creativity. Like if I have some cacao and then I write, I mean, it just, the words just pour out of me. So yeah, amazing for creative inspiration and also just coming back to your heart. So again, I was talking about um, how confusing it can be in the world of all this information, especially at the moment. And so coming back to ourselves and tapping into what's true for us. And cacao is super helpful for that as well. Yeah, amazing for meditation as well. Um, and the sort of insights that I have um, if I meditate with cacao is really amazing. And you mentioned drinking it there. Do you make the paste into a drink then? Is that how you're taking it? Yes. So, and that's how I sell it. So I sell um, a 500 gram block of cacao paste. And so from that, you um, chop it up fine. Um, and then you melt it in a saucepan with some water, giving it a whisk and then add sugar and milk if you like. Um, I just add a little bit of sugar, so it's not too bitter. And yeah, and so you have it as a kind of thick hot chocolates kind of drink, but it'll be better than any um, sort of Cadbury's hot chocolate that you'll ever have had. Sounds incredible. So where can people um, find that? Because I know you've set up a company now that you're importing that into the UK, aren't you? Um, where can people find um, details about those that product and, and what you're doing with all of that, Caroline? Um, so I've got a website, junglecacalperu.com. So up until this point, I've just been um, sending it through the post to people. Um, However, I'm looking at more sort of cost efficient ways because at the moment the, the cost of postage is quite high because the Peruvian postal system isn't as um, 
efficient as Royal Mail, <laughs> although I'm sure there's lots of people listening who'd, who'd think Royal Mail isn't efficient. But honestly, come to Peru and you'll be begging for Royal Mail. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm thinking about other ways that I can send it um, to England and then sort of do the distribution from England and it'll make it um, better for customers. But at the moment, I've just been posting it directly to customers. Um, and, yeah, people buy through the website. Mm. It's amazing. And um, so you, you mentioned to me before we started all of this that you are spending part of your time in the jungle at the cacao farm and part of your time in, in the town. Can you give us a flavour of what it's like working on the cacao farm? It sounds like hard work and some of the stuff I read, um, it sounded like you were doing a lot of hard physical craft there, Caroline. Um, can you give us a little insight into what life is like in Peru and, and where you are and, and with what you're doing? Sure. So... Um in the jungle itself, around the cacao farm, there's a, a small community of other cacao farmers. And um, life as, a, as an outsider is difficult, uh, especially as a woman. And there's still very entrenched gender roles um, and ideas about that. So I've, you know, had to just, um, I guess, forfeit a sense of belonging. Yeah, it's been very challenging. Um, but then bringing it back to the physical work that's hard because um with the heat humidity um insects doing the the physical labor in the farm is difficult but um i i noticed the trick is to start work and to start sweating before it's too hot because then your body's already and it's kind of cooling itself down but if you start work at midday and your body's already warmed up but without starting to sweat <laughs> that's when it's um the the heat really really gets to you so start early and you know people and this is another thing i observed how unaware um a lot of these people are who are farming and all they know is farming how they don't know about the concept of looking after their bodies and listening to their bodies they they put their bodies through so much yeah so what i started doing in the community is giving people massages and for many of them it was the first time they've ever had a massage or maybe even taken care of their body. Romulo, uh, my boyfriend, he's learned a lot about the concept of listening to the body, taking care of the body, making that a priority rather than sort of pushing through just because that's what men do here. You know, um, there's a lot of like, and again, it's the, the machismo culture of like, you cannot show weakness as a man. They really... Um, tease people who show any sign of weakness which is an, another thing I I, found, I find very difficult here as machismo culture. You might you just use the phrase forfeiting a sense of community which I thought was um, an ex exquisite way of putting it actually Caroline. Are you, how are you kind of settling into that and, and um, rationalizing that with your previous experiences and your previous life it's so different I guess. Yeah it's it's yeah the one of the toughest things I've gone through but also I guess a good um learning experience because I it woke me up to how privileged I am not just because I'm like white from a, a developed country that's had a pretty um you know comfortable lifestyle but also how privileged I am to have education and I think it's something that 
you know, in developed countries, we talk about privilege of like the color of our skin or um, wealth. But what's often not spoken about is the privilege of education because everyone has education. So it's like we take it for granted. And coming here, I realize, oh, my God, education just I'm so privileged that I I have that Um, because a lot of the people here, all they do is farm. They might have stopped school at 12 or 14. And after a while, I didn't try to incorporate into the community. I just was there by myself and yeah very lonely yeah this has probably been one of the loneliest um times of my life but I wouldn't say I've suffered if that makes sense so I've been very alone but I've managed to sort of hold myself through it um and again the cacao has been amazing it's given me the sense of um strength and protection because you kind of have a cup of cacao and you've, you you get this sort of warm, fuzzy feeling and it kind of lifts you. But without um, that, you know, it's not like coffee that gives you a buzz, but cacao gives you like an, a really grounded energy. So, yeah, cacao has been um, very helpful during this challenging, but also amazingly enriching time. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your honesty there, Caroline. I feel like you have um, really opened yourself um, in this interview, which is very generous of you. And I do really appreciate your candor on that because I think sometimes living abroad and, you know, when we're stuck in the cold in the UK, it can seem like a, a dream to be living the life that you are and actually to have an insight, a true insight. Um, about what life is like is is absolutely incredible and really really interesting as much as anything else um I definitely want to try some cacao from you it sounds incredible um where can people find you your work um both with your your massage your therapies the cacao your sex positivity where's the best place for people to find out more about what you're up to ah absolutely so junglecacaoperu.com um, is the website uh, for the cacao. Um, I've also got uh, an Instagram, Jungle Cacao, at Jungle Cacao Peru. For the last two weeks, I've been on a social media break, which has been amazing. Um, so I haven't been active on there for the last couple of weeks. And then in terms of my work as a body love coach and naked yoga teacher, um, I'm at the body love babe on Instagram. I don't yet have a website, but I've got, um, I offer, so I offer naked yoga classes. There's a free one on Fridays for female identifying and or pussy owners. Um, and that's at, so UK time, that would be 5 p.m. So anyone who um, identifies as such is welcome to come. Um, there's a link to sign up for that. I don't know how you want to organize that. Um, and I also offer a free body love meditation. So if you sign up for that, you're then added to my mailing list and I send out a nice email every Wednesday. And um, I would love it if more, because like I said, most people in the British naturist community are um, men over 50, say. And um, I just, I would love it if more, um, there was more kind of diversity. But I appreciate that as women, there's that fear of being objectified because let's face it, we've been objectified and all kinds of stuff done to us because of our bodies for millennia. So there's that kind of like, um, I totally appreciate that. So that's why I, I offer the Friday class for free as a way of encouraging female identifying 
to um, to the class. So you'd be so welcome to that. Um, I will also say anyone listening to this who who wants to do it, but maybe feeling a bit shy, um, I, if you want to turn your camera off, that is totally fine. Um, so if, yeah, if initially people want to come, um, leave the camera off. Um, but honestly, when you when you get into doing yoga naked, you it's just so much better because you're not hindered by clothing, and it just yeah, it just feels great. So. Um, and is there anything just to wind up Caroline I always um, throw the floor open to my guests at the end to say is there anything else you wanted to say about your career um, advice you've had that you love to pass on or anything else pertinent that you that you want to cover that we haven't discussed already Mm. I think um, my kind of mission at the moment I think given what's happening in the world right now where there's so much confusion um you know, can we really believe everything we're being told? It's just a lot of information. Um, and I think every human on the planet, let's say the majority at least, will have been affected by this um, massive global upheaval. And I think coming back to the body and being in our bodies is going to be our anchor and also our compass through this. So this is why I see the work I'm doing helping people come back to their bodies and loving their bodies is so important, especially during this time. So yeah, I'm just super, super passionate about um, doing that for people. And also the clients that I've been helping so far, you know, they've had massive transformations. So yeah, I'm, I'm saying if, if anything we've spoken about resonates with people or they want to know more, I'm so happy for people to reach out to me ask me questions, just talk to me, just share. So I've created a course um, called Breaking Free of the Bonds of Shame. Um, So it's going to be a course done over Zoom and it's over a four week period with classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that starts on the 8th of June. And the purpose of it is to help people identify areas of their life that are being impacted by shame so it could be shame around sexuality the body anything else and then the tools and practices that are going to help them yeah break free of those bonds of shame so that they can just live way better lives so as Caroline mentioned, she has a new course starting next week called Breaking the Bonds of Shame. If you're interested in that, there's a link in the show notes that will take you straight there. So do go and check it out. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please just share it wherever you can on your own social media. And if you found the podcast interesting or useful, then do please tell a friend because we are always keen for new listeners. If you can find it in your heart to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or give us a shout out on your socials, then we'd love you very much as it genuinely does help other people to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Skylark Collective and our website is www.skylarkcollective.co.uk. See you next time.